Welcome to the Catch Them and Keep Them podcast with Melissa Glennie and Mark Altman. We're here to help you hire, engage, and retain the best talent to help you make your vision a reality. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Catch Them and Keep Them podcast. We're excited you're here with us today. And Mark, I'm always excited to see you. How are you doing? Melissa, I'm awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm looking into the screen right now, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, as time goes by, Every time I look in and can see myself, I keep thinking I'm going to have more hair. And it just never happens. I keep waiting, Melissa. It's never happening. <laughs> well, I have a trick. I just play with the lighting. I don't know if you've tried that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I have a dimmer switch. And, you know, it, it goes so far. <laughs> you think if I put some, like, dye on the top of my scalp, it might not look as so glaring? I think you look perfectly great. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. <laughs> See, that's why we're friends, because I appreciate that. <laughs> it wouldn't do a thing. <laughs> yep. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm stealing away in the corner of my basement. It's been that kind of day for me. So I'm really excited to be talking about opening businesses back up. <laughs> now, Melissa, I have to say before we get started, I am really, as your friend, proud of you, because I know you are so hardworking and passionate about your clients and your business. But you took some personal time on Monday with your husband to go sail sailing? No. I, we couldn't sail, but we had to go do something for our boat. And so we were near the water. And that's, need I say more? <laughs> I, I was living my life vicariously through you guys, looking at you out on those pictures on Facebook. And I was like, oh, she understands the importance of some mental health is all I could think of. You know, when my husband says, hey, can you spend the day with me? I don't really have to think very much about that. I moved everything. It was it was awesome. Awesome. So Melissa, you know, we've been talking offline about, you know, there's a lot of buzz right now about businesses reopening. You know, people are, it's, it's almost like people are chomping at the bit. We're hearing it in sports, you know, the leagues are starting to talk about when they're going to reset. And, you know, I know, I know in my own business, I've looked at these last few months as an opportunity to do a lot of things, to, to reset, to re-strategize, to rethink, to review a lot of my past patterns and habits and what's worked and what isn't and how do I want to move forward. And I think one of the things we're going to see during this is recruiting strategies and how people build their teams is going to be drastically different than it has been in the past because people have had this time. So my question for you is, are you, are you seeing that, you know, and, and, and how do you think that's, what do you think that's going to look like? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. You know, I mean, Mark, I'm reflecting back to the recession that we went through in um, 2008, 2009. Um, that was the first experience that I was really uh, aware in working in the staffing industry. The second time I've been through it in the staffing industry, but um, but as a director, it was a, spe it was a special uh, time for me. And one thing I noticed was that a lot of people ended up finding their true vocation through that process. And I think that that's something that's common among recessions where a lot of people lose their jobs. And then like you've just been talking about, it's that chance to take a step back and just say, well, do I even wanna be doing what I was doing? So, you know, we had a skills gap that was pretty daunting when we went into this situation. And now, I mean, I, I'm seeing that there are more candidates on on the market or I shouldn't say on the market necessarily they're unemployed and um, 
the the gap between the skills that they have and the demands that we have are just beyond any kind of gap I could have imagined when we thought we had a quote unquote gap before. So, yes, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. So, uh, so Melissa, you know, you're, you obviously you're familiar with the term exit interview. And, and the reason why I bring it up is because typically my understanding of an exit interview is it's an opportunity to get the perspective of the person leaving yeah. about what, what worked, what didn't work, how things could have been different, et cetera. But what, what I'm talking about is, I guess, like a company-wide exit interview, mm. you know, as far as using that kind of approach and strategy to evaluate. And I think what you're talking about around passion is huge because we know in the millennial generation, we hear that a lot about passion and purpose. So what should, you know, what are you telling your clients that when they do that company analysis, exit interview, so to speak, what are the questions they should be asking? What are the things they should be closely looking at? Well, I mean, one of the questions that I always recommend, even if uh, I think what you're referring to is, you know, maybe um, uh, an employee that's been terminated because uh, you wouldn't want to bring them back, probably. Okay, so, you know, even if you haven't gone to that step, I'm, I'm constantly ad advising managers to be asking, if you had the chance to hire this person today, would you do it again? And, you know, if the termination's already happened, then, well, obviously, no. But then the, the important question is, why not? So, and, and not, you know, it's really easy to fluff that answer. I think that it, you have to get really straight about that answer because it sets up the stage for the rest of the, of the, rest of the line of questioning to be effective. So if you can identify why not, and then the next thing that's important to, to ask is, what were the signs? If you look back, what were the signs in the beginning? Specifically, I think the beginning is the important part to focus on because that's what you're about to enter into again, right? And then ask yourself, has this ever happened before? Has this particular mistake ever come up for me before? And then just trace it through, like when and what and what were the signs? And find that, I think what, what I'm saying you're looking for is a common thread and once you understand that common thread, it, then you're basically tracing that thread to its origin. So that's interesting. You've got me thinking as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about when that common thread is an ineffective leader, right? Because yeah. if, some, if, if someone, if, if, if you're having an, a retention or an engagement problem, and one of the core reasons for that is ineffective leadership, and what if you know that, Melissa? What if, what if the company is self-aware and knows that and you know that, and now they're asking you to, to place and recruit under that leader again, knowing mm -hmm. that you could find the most qualified, effective candidate ever, but if that leader is ineffective, so what do you tell companies in a case like that? Well, I think what I just walked through applies to the leader and the individual. So my hope is that the, the company has the awareness to go to the individual and and you know some people are receptive to this stuff and some people are not as receptive to self-awareness practice but i mean i think it's a great opportunity and i would hope that leaders um would be taking it upon themselves to be looking for these common threads sometimes they need a little nudge and i know you know that very well, <laughs> well um, go ahead oh, go ahead keep going 
No, no, but I was just saying, you know, that that common thread, I mean, it's very likely to be um, um, the leader in a lot of ways. And not to say that it's a poor person who's a poor leader, but I would analogize it to the dating world. Like if you keep running into the same kind of pattern in other types of relationships, realize their work relationships are still relationships and you keep repeating patterns. So it's not a matter of fault necessarily. It's just understanding what patterns aren't working and then how to recreate new patterns. Well, I think it's a good point. And, you know, I make the analogy to schools. You know, I look around and I look at how many teachers are really struggling to make the transition to virtual engagement. And, you know, I, I, I work in schools and I do professional development for teachers and administrators. And the thing that confounds me is many teachers aren't really that engaging in person, never mind virtually. And now we're asking in a, a, a totally different skill set to people, in many cases, who haven't mastered the skill set to begin with. And that's not a knock against teachers because let's face it, it's, it's a thankless job, right? It's it just flat out a thankless job. But my point is, when I look at, as companies rebuild their leadership teams and teams in general, there's an entirely new different set, skill set now that has to be incorporated based on where we are. And if your existing leadership team doesn't have it, or your new leaders you're gonna hire, I mean, Melissa, what if you found the most perfect candidate and you would be worried that, that 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 leader maybe has a handful of leadership skills, but really lacks virtual engagement. Can they really survive? Mm, yeah. I mean, if, if it's so dependent on communication, and if they lack the ability to, to communicate in a virtual world, and that's the world we're in, then I would have serious concerns about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think it's... It's something I've always been curious about in the recruiting world because it's just a skill set. I, I, I still think I'm trying to learn basically from you, but it's, it's, there's a list of things, right? When you're, when you're building your leadership team or when you're building a team in a company, you want complementary skills. You want certain core values to be consistent, but knowing which ones are more important and how they complement and build a leadership team how, how do you how do you handle that when you when you're placing into a company who already has an existing leadership team? What do you what do you do in a case like that to find that fit? Well, you know, you can also keep bear in mind the reciprocal mentoring relationships and the reverse mentoring relationships. So, you know, somebody coming in potentially with less experience who's going to be looking up to their um, uh, official leader may be in a in a situation where they are in fact the mentor of that person. And that's, you know, that's something that I'm finding is more common and more accepted. Um, of course, it has to be accepted um, from both, both sides. But that's kind of one of those things that I think uh, recruiters and people who are supporting in the hiring efforts um, can, can really lend a lot of value in talking to the leader and highlighting like, hey, I see where this person can help you with XYZ. Or, and so maybe it's more of that reverse kind of mentoring um, which is, you know, not, not so typical, but I, I think it's definitely a big part of what we see going forward. So, Melissa, you know, prior to COVID-19, the unemployment rate was so low, right? And now the market's going to be, as we go, especially moving forward, it'll be, should be a lot more flooded. So when companies have a, uh, a plethora of candidates, do you see certain tendencies 
where perhaps if they have more candidates available, they might be almost overanalyze or too patient versus they might be too quick to react when the unemployment rate's low. Like what are some habits and tendencies you see that you advise your companies to stay away from or utilize? Yeah, right, right. Um, I think what you're saying, um, you know, when, when you're in a, um, we call it a client-driven market where, you know, the companies have, you know, their choice of umpteen number of candidates. Um, it's interesting right now because we're in a very high um, unemployment situation. However, we really don't have a lot of candidates on the, on, when I say on the market, I mean readily available to go to work, especially with the additional funds that they're getting from the feds right now. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people that are making more money to sit at home than they were ever making when they were actually going to work when, when mm. you factor out, you know, the additional funds. So I'm not, you know, slighting that in any way, but I'm just saying that people are less motivated to, to pull the trigger. So I'm seeing a lot of activity in the market um, from both, you know, interviews happening, but candidates are very reluctant to, to make moves right now from what I'm seeing. Unprecedented, unprecedented number of no-shows and ghostings. So if you, so, so to that point, because I had, I had forgotten that aspect of the, the, the unemployment. So to the point, because there isn't a lot of quality candidates, mm -hmm. there might be an inclination. If you finally get someone on the hook and they might not be all that great, but boy, it's better than nothing. Yep. But that poses a danger to company culture and team building and things like that. So what do you tell the, the company that's impatient? They just need a body, but yeah. understanding the consequences that hiring that person could be if they're not fully qualified. Yeah, you know, I really feel like that goes to the impact that that seat has in the company, right? So if it's a critical seat and the cultural fit and the, the values uh, alignment, if that's really critical, then better to just wait as long as it takes to get the right person. Uh, in other cases, like you said, sometimes you just really do need a body and, you know, it's the fallout isn't, you know, something that's going to be catastrophic if they leave or if, you know, something goes sideways, you know, it can easily be dealt with. So it's one of those things where the, the risk return trade-off just makes sense to move forward with the best person you can get because you're going to be in a worse situation if you don't have somebody picking up the phone. So it feels like, Melissa, that candidates are kind of escaping unscathed here. And what I mean is that when COVID first happening and companies were having to lay off people and furlough people, there was a lot of pushback of, you know, you gotta do right by people and be loyal. And really companies were getting a lot of grief for this. Well, now we're finding a lot, like you said, a lot of candidates are staying at home yep. because of unemployment. And then after, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right and it feels like we're not looking down on the candidates staying at home in right? the same way we're looking at the companies who were furloughing and laying off. Right, right, it's really, yeah. And I think that a lot of the reason that, you know, there's this sense of like, well, it, it is a pandemic and people are, you know, whatever your personal attitude towards everything is, you know, it's like, okay, understanding some people are really, you know, in their homes, shaking in their boots that if they go outside, they're gonna, you know, face, terrible consequences. And so, you know, you just try to be understanding. And sometimes it's, I was just talking to a client this morning about this. Sometimes it's hard to know, is somebody really concerned or 
you, you hate to say this, but, or are they trying to get a free ride? Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, it's terrible to say that, you know, in light of what some people are going through, but at the same time, you know, it, it is a fact that sometimes people just do take advantage. So Melissa, in the reopening, as, the, as businesses reopen, what are the things that, you know, are on your mind just personally that you think they have to be really front and center thinking about, not even just recruiting, but just in general, because obviously things are going to be so different. And even in the early stages, it's almost like you're playing catch up and you're trying to get back to that, you know, an even playing field. So what, what are you thinking are the most important things for businesses right now? Well, I think a few things I'll try to kind of go in order. I think that communication is, again, it's like one of those things where it always starts with communication. And from what I'm seeing with the companies that I'm working with, I think that this sounds so simple, but I really feel like signage everywhere is really important right now and can go a long way because we're, we're all adapting still to this new norm. And I don't know if you found yourself doing this, but I, you know, I'll find myself going to the store and I have an itch on my face and like, I'm like, Oh, and then I'm like, ah, shoot, you know, so just a stupid example. But if I think that having signs in our faces, like how far away are you standing from your coworker or, you know, have you washed your hands or, you know, just these little reminders, I think will go a long ways. Um, and I'm saying that also because it's a little bit of a recency effect with some of the stuff I've been dealing with my client with my clients who have been seeing, you know, kind of like some hot spots uh, with with COVID cases. So, um, and it's just you know people not following procedures. I mean, there's that's kind of what it's been boiling down to. Well, I have to tell you, I think we're going to have our hand. I think leaders in general are going to have their hands full because I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of workplace drama. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the amount of people who aren't following protocol and signage to a T and this person didn't have their mask on all the time. And this person, I was in the bathroom and I noticed they didn't wash their hands. And I can see that just totally taking over the workplace because so many people live in fear and are so paranoid that I see that as a pretty big problem on the horizon. Oh, you are so right. Um you kind of read what's been going on for me too. I mean, I, I think that you raise another really good point because we, we have to remember in light of, you know, all of the, the scurry of, of this whole thing, employment law still stands. And there's this thing called confidentiality that as employers, so we're, we're responsible for protecting employees and for confidentiality, uh, including the med you know, medical information. So, you know, I think that, like I was saying, communication, um, you know, over communicating and then communicating that there's this 300, maybe call it a 360 degree responsibility. So, you know, we had a case earlier today where somebody, it, it became known that this person was positive, which it should not have been, it shouldn't, shouldn't have been announced to the entire company that somebody was tested positive. But um, when that happened, it was like pan, um, uh, I'm losing the word, but just all the stories were spreading like wildfire. I saw him take his mask off the other day and he sneezed on everything. And, you know, suddenly it's just like, oh yeah, and I saw this and I saw that. And now this poor guy, they're saying they don't think it's safe for him to come back because his whole team's wanting to punch him in the face. So, I mean, drama <laughs> just in the last 24 hours, I can't even tell you. So, yeah. Well, and, and I have to tell you, um, <clears throat> 
you know I'm a big fan of mindset. And, yeah. and, and you know, uh, just a quick anecdote. You know, I remember about a week ago, I was in the grocery store and I was going down an aisle and I wasn't paying attention to the arrows. You know, go up one way, come down the other way for the aisles. Yeah. And no one said anything to me. You know, I was just two thirds of the way down the aisle going the wrong way. And I said to myself, you know what? Like, literally, this was my thought process, Melissa. Like, well, what's the big deal? Like, seriously, I'm just going to keep going. But then, like, two or three seconds later, I said, you know what? No, because it's an attitude and it's a mindset. And I think what, so I, I anyway, I went down the right aisles. And, and the moral to this story is this. People, I feel like when I work with, when I work with organizations and companies and just people individually, there's this resentment and frustration that builds up, right? Like, why do I have to wear a mask? Why do I have to go down the right aisle? Why do I have to stay six feet apart? And logic or rational behavior doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just why, why, why? Why do I have to do this? And I think in the workplace with the drama, it's going to take a couple of things. It's going to take a mindset of really what's the big deal? Like, yeah, you don't like it. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. But in this grand scheme of things, is it really that much of a bother? I mean, who, who really loves wearing a mask, right? Yeah, yeah. Nobody likes wearing a mask. Right. So I think it's that. And I also think there's a conversation technique that I know you and I have talked about called motivational interviewing. Sure. And it's a technique that if you're trying to motivate people to do the right thing and keep the drama to a minimum and everybody to try to be in a supportive culture, there's some strategy and influence techniques that go with that as a leader. And I think that's a, a skill set that will be more critical now more than ever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, it, we're, we're really all doing this for each other. And if you can, uh, you know, if you can um, use those kinds of communication techniques when you're talking with your teams so that it's an intrinsic action uh, or motivation to taking these actions, Man, how far, how far ahead of the curve can you be? Well, Melissa, I'm the guy who sits in my car and puts a seatbelt on and go, I can't believe they're making me put a seatbelt on. I can't believe in my own car I have to follow up. But, but, but again, from a rational perspective, I, then I say in my mindset is, but who cares? Like, really, at yeah. the end of the day, is it really that big of an imposition? Right, right, exactly, yeah. And I think a lot of this adjustment, you know, I, I think that we've, We've already been through so much um, that's been uncomfortable and frustrating because it's just all different. And now we're about to enter into a new phase where I think there's going to be another wave of new kinds of frustrations because it's, again, it's going to be all different. You know, we've got these phases and then, um, you know, everything's going to kind of just be shifting for a while. And so if we can just, I think, like you said, Mark, that mindset of like, well, how critical, not critical, but you know, how much of an imposition is this really? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, right? So do you worry at all? Because I think about you in this way, you know, um, we're in a very reactive culture. And what I mean by that is you're getting calls every day with companies, this person's gone out with COVID or that we have this glaring need. And Melissa, come to the rescue like you always do, which is a wonderful thing at the end of the day. But are you able to advocate for your company in this sense that when you're reactively placing 
in a panic for the client, not for yourself. Mm -hmm. And how do you, what's the buyer beware you give clients? I mean, I'm serious because there's an element of risk that in a reactive situation, you're kind of under the gun. So how do you handle that? Yeah. Well, and Mark, what you're saying is so spot on because like I, I, I've said before in the temporary staffing world, granted there's the other side of the business that's recruitment and more succession planning. That's another animal, but in temporary staffing, I think that's what you're alluding to where it's just, you know, generally I'm getting a call because of a lack of planning or, you know, a failure to plan, or it's something that you couldn't have planned for. So, you know, that I, I, you know, educating our clients and kind of laying out the reality of the situation is something that's really essential, you know, to make sure everything is, is in alignment with expectations, because otherwise, you know, it's really hard to solve the problem of, in, in a way that they're going to be happy. So, Melissa, let's say COVID didn't exist, mm-hmm. all right, and it was just a normal time. What do you mean by planning? I'm not being facetious. Like, if it was a normal situation, what is the kind of advice you're giving to companies around proper planning? Well, you know, um, some it could be internal planning. It could be, you know, um, they didn't forecast properly, had no idea, you know, mm. that business was going to be coming in that came in or, you know, some, some luck. They had a crazy amount of business they weren't expecting. So like I said, it, something they just couldn't have foreseen or it potentially it's something that they could have seen, but they just weren't looking at it. So I got to tell you, Melissa, the, the, the it, I, I think, you know, we're all going through so much personally and professionally right now. And, and it's funny, like sometimes you just have to laugh and you have to make light of it because if you get too swallowed up in the sadness or the negativity of it, and I got to tell you the funniest thing, I, um, the only place I really go anymore is the supermarket. So, <laughs> you know, so this past week I was in the supermarket and I walked in and I had, I went to Cal State Fullerton and I had a Cal State Fullerton shirt on. And this guy must have been 70 years old and we got our masks on and everything. And he, he says, oh, you know, you're from California. He gets in this whole conversation with me. And, and this guy was super nice. And all I could think of as I was walking away from the conversation, that's the first time I've ever had a full on conversation with someone in a mask. <laughs> so bizarre. Isn't it weird? so bizarre so so anyways so Melissa how you know just before we wrap how's your business doing how are things going how are you coping overall through this oh hey thanks for asking so the business is um surprisingly um stronger than I was expecting um but it you know in retrospect like I was saying earlier it was really hard to know what to expect um you know it was a lot of surmising so uh, the business is strong um and I just feel like, Mark, I feel like I'm learning so much, uh, kind of in a personal awareness. You know, it all, we just came to this big, it was like somebody pressed pause and you had a chance to think about everything that's been going on and what do you want to see in the future? So I just feel like there's a lot of kind of re- reviewing, revisiting. Um, I know you've alluded to this too and, and just, you know, really thinking about how we want to move forward. And I'm finding there's a lot of things that I, I'm happy to see drop away that I thought were important. And I realized they really have very little importance to me. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's funny, Melissa, you know, from my own perspective, um, just to finish with a quick anecdote, I know um, 
in the past, I've done a lot of pro bono speaking engagements for job seeker groups. And one of the questions I often ask them when I do workshops is to self-reflect on why they're passionate about doing what they do. And I mean really self-reflect to know where their passion drives them. And I always joke around when people say, oh, it's because I like to help people. I'm like, that's garbage. What do you mean you like to help? Why do you like to help people? Like, really, why do you like to help people? So the moral to this story is that um, it's hard, so hard to self-reflect. And many times it brings, it brings people to tears. Because when they have to be, they're forced to self-reflect. And I think the hardest part overall, certainly for me and others in this crisis is when you self-reflect, a lot of times you don't like what you see. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to look in the mirror and go, wow, I made this bad decision or I've had this really bad habit or I'm not surrounding myself with the right people. I mean, there's so many different things and conclusions you could reach. And I think that it's okay, right? You know, it's okay. It's okay to look in the mirror and not like everything you see. That's why I joked around about my hair in the beginning. You know, it's okay. But that's the best thing. I think it's an opportunity for us to say, well, but it's not over, right? Not, not the pandemic. I mean, life, it's not over. So if you don't like what you see, this is an opportunity to do something about it. And frankly, for people who have a very difficult time slowing down, this has forced a lot of us to slow down. And as you said, do that self-examination. So I have to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm very much a glass half full guy and more so than ever. And I think it's not, we really need to take advantage of these new awarenesses. Mark, as you're talking, I was remembering a book, if I can make a recommendation. Because um, I feel like we have this tendency to judge ourselves so, I mean, just, it's such a pervasive thing, you know, every day, like we're just, I think there's a lot of negative talk for a lot of people and they don't even realize it. I mean, have you ever looked at a picture of yourself from like 10 years ago and, and like remembered that you thought there was this, this, and this wrong. And you're like, God, what I would give to look like that again. Yes. Yes. So when you look at things that you're displeased with, it's like stopping to say, well, why? Like, like compared to what? Or for like, why is that like not good enough in some way? Yep. So, I mean, I, I have been going through that too, through this whole thing. Cause two, two months, three months, I haven't been to the hairdresser. And so I'm like, well, this is sort of a new norm. I guess I can live with it, you know, but uh, anyway, so this book, uh, Judgment Detox by Gabrielle Bernstein. Okay. If you haven't read it, um, such a great read and she's amazing. So yeah, I highly yeah. recommend yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was funny. Well, I saw a meme on Facebook the other day. It said, I can go get weed anytime I want, but I have to meet my hairdresser in a dark alley at 11 o'clock at night to get hair. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? So, uh, all right. Well, thanks, Melissa. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. And uh, thanks to everybody that's tuning in. I'm so glad to have everyone. And uh, Mark, I really, uh, once again, I really appreciate you taking the time out for this. Yeah, likewise, Melissa. We'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Catch Him and Keep Him podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss us next time. In the meantime, remember that engaging your people is a daily task and recruiting is a process, not an event. If you need help, just ask. Connect directly with Melissa at franklinprofessionals.com and Mark at mindsetgo.com.